Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Today, I would like to be able to um, pick up where I was on Sunday morning. So I want to just kind of put us back in the understanding. We, uh, we know that the Lord spoke to us back in October of last year that we are entering into a season that will require the walk of faith. And then he said, another depth of skill of walking in the Spirit And the first thing that he emphasized in that instruction, he gave us Joshua chapter 3, is it? Let me me give you the exact scripture because it was, um, we'll put it up on the screen for us. Uh, Joshua 3 and verse 4, that refers to them entering into the promised land. And as they were entering into the promised land, he he said, the Ark of the Covenant is going to go before us. And we've got to maintain our, our distance so that we can see where it goes, so that we can see the direction of the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the moving of the Spirit. He said, there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it. Why? So that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. So he said, you've got to keep your eyes on the moving of the ark, or we would recognize the moving of the Spirit of God, because we want to know the way that we need to go, because we have not passed this way before. And that's what scripture the Lord spoke to me that morning. It was a Sunday morning. I was preparing to minister here, and he, he gave us those five things, and the first of those is knowing the leading of God with a certainty. He said, know the leading with a certainty, practice obedience. He said, develop humility and the love walk. The fruit of the Spirit is vital, and trusting in God, His ways and His word are safeguards. But this Sunday morning, we looked back again because it is something that we've got to uh, let the Holy Spirit teach us line upon line those principles and, and let us put those principles to work and then come back and gain some more skill in those principles. And we talked about the leading of the Lord and how important it is to identify how the Holy Spirit leads us so that we can be accurate the first time. Isn't that much better than having to do, do it over again? having to back up and go forward again and, and, and retrace our steps. If we can learn to follow the instruction of the Lord, the leading of the Lord from the jump, from the onset, then we're at an advantage. And we're not behind schedule. We're not uh, having to uh, um, lose resources because we've spent them in the wrong direction, but we've got that accuracy. And so we recognize from Romans chapter 8. Let's go back and look at Romans 8 and verse 14. 
uh, just as while we're getting back to where we had left off on Sunday morning. Romans 8 is talking about the leading of the Spirit, and he says in verse 14, those, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And the word sons here is a Greek word that refers to the mature. It wouldn't be talking about an infant or a toddler. It's talking about a responsible son, a son who is in that position of of responsibility. And so sons of God, male sons and female sons, the, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. That's our heritage. This is another part of our inheritance. This is a privilege because those who do not have relationship with the Lord, those who are not born of the Spirit, don't have that same privilege. Will God warn the unsaved? Why? Out of His mercy, yes. But the leading of the Lord, that is the right, the privilege the benefit of the children of God. And because it's our benefit, we need to be taking the most advantage of it because it's something that is is part of ours by inheritance because of our position in relationship with God as sons of God. We should be more diligent and more skillful and more adept at the leading of the Lord. Why? Because I'm privileged to have access to the Spirit of God to lead me in my decisions. I am not at the liberty, I am not vulnerable to only making decisions by what I see. Because there are a lot of decisions that you can't see everything you need to know in that decision. You can't see things that are going to happen. There was a building that we had at one time considered trying to, to go after. But you know what? Just when that tornado came through, it wiped that building out. And I thought, Lord, I'm glad I didn't go after that. that because there was just, if someone said, hey, that building, that used to be a church. And da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, maybe. And, and it was like the Holy Spirit just said, nope, don't go that direction. And, and he knew what I didn't know. There are things that the Holy Spirit knows that we don't know, and if we'll start depending on Him and recognizing His his willingness to lead us in everything, in the decisions that we make. And so our part is to learn the way the Holy Spirit directs us. He is so willing to teach you how to follow Him. He is so willing to take you into leadership school. He'll bring you into class and say, let me show you how to follow me until you become so skilled in following the Holy Spirit that every day you have him, you are, you are, are following the radar in your spirit where the Holy Spirit is just guiding you by that radar. 
You know, if you're a pilot, you can learn how to fly without learning how to read the instruments. You can fly by just being able to, to see out the window, but you know, you can, you're very limited in when you can fly. That kind of pilot can't fly in certain conditions. That kind of pilot can't fly after certain hours. Why? Because they don't know how to use the instruments. But you get a pilot who is skilled in learning how to read the instruments, even if he can't see out the window, he can fly accurately and safely and without fail reach the destination. Why? Because he can see around the storm. He can see through the storm. He can see without any visibility in the natural. And that's what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit so that even when we don't have the natural way to see how it's all going to work out, what we should do, if we'll learn how to be governed by that radar of the Spirit in our heart, where he can, we can just look at that green light he's giving us and say, I do need to go this direction. I do need to, to lay hold of that. I do need this. And not, not totally abandon because I don't have seven steps down the road. Right. Have you discovered, anybody been walking with the Lord long enough to know that many times you get the next step? The next step. Yeah. Not right. seven, not ten. I... I that was an issue for me because I like to plan way out. You can ask my staff. I like to plan a year in advance on that calendar. I want, I want to know so that, and that's, that has a wisdom element to it, but I can't abandon the leading of the Holy Spirit right. because he only gives me one step that's and not right. five. Because sometimes it requires that one step before the rest of it can open up to me. It requires that one step of obedience that will cause everything else to fall into place. Without my step of obedience there, those other, oh, those other resources, those other components of the plan are not going to fall in place until I take that step that he led me to take. Hallelujah. Now, this leading of the Holy Spirit, he'll teach us, but we have, our part is to be students. Our part is to say, I am your attentive student. I want to learn. You have my attention. You have my, you have my interest. So that's going to mean that you're inquiring of him. Did you notice how often David inquired of the Lord? When a battle would, when, he, when an attack would come, he would inquire of the Lord. When Ziklag was attacked and burned to the ground and all of the children and wives of the whole army and David's army were taken captive, David didn't assume he should do what came natural. He inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord when he was uh, in, in a certain city and they had been good to him. He had been protecting them. They had been providing food, but they found out Saul was coming. And he inquired of the Lord, Lord, do I need to stay here? Well, the Lord knew that the people in there would turn and be loyal to Saul, and the Lord directed him to leave. There was one battle. Every time a battle would take place, he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord would tell him, go out, go out, go out, go out and meet them. 
And so you would think, okay, well, I got this. I know what God's going to say. Go out and meet them. But he did not stop the inquiring. He went back and he said, Lord, what do I do? And said, the Lord said, this time you go around by the way of the mulberry bush and wait till you hear me making noise in the tree. When you hear the sound in the tree, then you'll know. Without that leading, without the question, he wouldn't have had the leading. Without the inquiring, he wouldn't have had the direction. So we've got to learn how to inquire of the Lord. We've got to learn how to not just take for granted, this is what God wants me to do. The Bible says, acknowledge him in all your ways, and what will happen? He'll direct your path. The word direct means to straighten or unbend. (laughs) I want the path unbent. Because I don't want to walk down a crooked path and a tangled path. But if I will inquire of him, he'll go before me. He'll, he'll, He'll unbend that path. He'll straighten it out. But if I don't inquire, the tangles are still going to be there if I don't inquire. And so this is something that is part of learning, part of the student responsibility. So we are students And the Holy Spirit is the best teacher, and he'll teach us how to learn his ways. And here's, here's, it's not wrong. It's not doubt for you to say, Holy Spirit, is that you, or was that just me? It's not wrong to say that and and ask him to help you know the difference, because sometimes the the Holy Spirit, what we refer to as our conscience, is is a way that the Holy Spirit will lead us, especially if we've been in the Word. If we have been feeding on the Word of God, we've been walking in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will speak to us, and, and it will be through the voice of our conscience. Hallelujah. And so that delineation comes by us saying, is that me? Or is that you? Is that just my idea or is that you prompting me to do that? And the more that you ask that question, you open the opportunity for him to identify to you, for him to make it clear to you that, yes, this is me leading you to do that. He'll give you peace. So I want to go back again and let's look at some of these verses where the, that we can see from Scripture because this is the accurate example for us to learn how the Holy Spirit dwells, deals with us. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 21, it says, but talking about how the scripture was given, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Moved by the Holy Ghost. The Amplified, not the Amplified Classic, but the the New Amplified says, as they were born along or impelled. The God's Word translation says, under God's direction. Holy men of God were under God's direction. The Message Bible says, the Holy Spirit prompted men and women. So, That's a good description of how they were moved on. They were prompted. 
The Holy Spirit's not rude. He's not forceful. He's not obnoxious. He's not pushy. He, it's a prompting. It's respectful. Hallelujah. But let's, now this, he said, this is how the scriptures came. So we're seeing it from one side. Let's compare that to Luke chapter one and verse three. And in Luke one, the writer, Luke, of this book tells us his motive for putting the scripture into writing. He says in verse three, it seemed good to me. Also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto you in order. So it seemed good. The Holy Spirit was prompting, but from, from Luke's perspective, it seemed. It wasn't, it wasn't a vision. An angel didn't have to come tell him to do it. It wasn't something that was dramatic or spectacular. It wasn't something that, you know, knocked him to the ground. It, it seemed good. The Holy Spirit was moving upon him according to 2 Peter 1.21, but when the Holy Spirit moved on him, Luke said, it seemed good. Hallelujah. So now, if we are not governing our lives with peace, we might not recognize when it seems good. <laughs> if our life is full of drama and chaos and uproar and tumult, it will be difficult to identify that green light, that, right. that seeming good. So we need to stay in a place where the peace of God is governing us, where the, the peace of God is establishing our um, daily condition of the heart so that we can recognize that seems good to me. That seems like I have a green light to go forward with that. And so here's what you'll have to do. Don't let people pressure you with, it's got to be done today. You got to make that decision today or you lose it. You know, if they, I would rather, I would rather not get the $5 off if you tell me I, that I've got to make a decision today. Right now, yeah. they, 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 they'll push it. They'll hype it all up and you're going to win this and you're going to save this and you're going to, you're going to get this deal and this yeah. discount, but you've got to move in the next 10 minutes. You've got to make this decision now. You got to sign up for it now. I, I can wait. Why? Because I'm, you're not going to pressure me. And, and, and put me in that place where I, I have to abandon that looking for the green light. That's right. Does that seem good? Especially if I'm learning how to identify the green light. Right. I, identify, does that seem good to the Lord? Now, compare that seeming good to Romans chapter 8 when he tells us, the most important thing that the Lord would ever tell us, that we are sons of God, right? That we're his children. Look at Romans 8 and verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The most important thing that you ever need to be convinced about comes by this method. Not an angel showing up to tell you, 
Thus saith the Lord, you are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Not a vision, not a dream, not goosebumps, not lightning strikes. No, he says, the most important thing you need to know that you are a child of God. This is how I want it to come to you by the Spirit bearing witness. Does that sound like it seemed good to me? If, if I were to come up to you and I would say to you, um, you know those enchiladas? Weren't they the best enchiladas we've ever had? He just bared witness with me, right? We are bearing witness that yes, that we have that agreement. I say, I think it's the best. He says, oh, they are the best, right? So, so we've got the agreement. He's bearing witness with what I'm sensing in my, in my taste buds. That, that it bears witness with his taste buds too. Well, that, the, the Holy Spirit, he's bearing witness with us. When we come and say, is that good? He says, yes, that's good. Am I a child of God? Yes, you're a child of God. I'm bearing witness with you. And I'll tell you why this is God's preferred method of communication. I'm going to say it again. God's preferred method. Over the angel visit. Over the vision of the dream. Over a minister laying hands on you, thus saith the Lord. Why? Any of those things could be duplicated or manipulated. But this, the enemy can't duplicate the spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit. He can't, he can't interrupt it if our hearts are governed with peace. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. If our hearts are governed with peace, if we've got all kinds of chaos and drama and unrest, then it will be difficult to hear this. It will be difficult to identify it. Why? Because it's, we will have our senses dumbed down by all of the drama and the, the, the chaos or the, uh, when I'm, I'm talking about um, lives that have no quietness, lives that have no peace, lives that, I feel like I'm playing that $100,000 pyramid game. <laughs> lives that have no this, y'all help me, you see what I'm saying, I'm trying to say it so many ways that you see it. If, if we have so much um, opportunity for the enemy to get in there with clamor, then the the voice of the Holy Spirit is drowned out by all of the noise of life. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, the cares of this world entering in choke out the word. So we've got, that's why, you know, when, when God deals with us about having time with him every day, He's not trying to get you to clock in. Come on, you didn't even clock in today. I don't even have any time. You didn't clock in and give me even 15 minutes. He's not trying to get us to clock in and, and, and clock time with him. He's trying to have us established at the beginning of the day, or sometimes people, because of their work schedule, it's the evening, but I see the Bible emphasize that first of the day. Why? Because before any other voice has entrance into my ears, before any other information has access into my mind, 
If I go to the word first and I go to my time with God first, then he is setting the tone of my day. He is establishing his voice as the first voice that I've heard. And then uh, I've already got that that in place. So this bearing witness, if this is God's preferred method, it it should be our preferred method. We need to also have that same value system. God, you want to deal with me this way. I'm not going to require other ways of you. I'm not going to require that you send it through a a, a preacher to come give me a word of knowledge. I'm not going to require that you you make something happen in this seen realm to convince me that that was you. Gideon... Gideon didn't have a born-again spirit. Gideon didn't have the Holy Spirit living in his heart. Gideon, he said, Lord, if it's you, then cause this supernaturally, the, the ground to be dry and the wool to be wet, the cotton to be wet. It, it, and it, God did it, That's right. but it wasn't enough. Gideon said, okay, if it's really, if it's really, really, really you, you know, because maybe this was just coincidence that the wool is dry and everything around it. Come on. He's fleecing God. God, if it's you, let this fleece. That's not our New Testament standard. Why? Because the enemy can get all up in your fleece. And he can make things happen that look like it was God telling you. And you're like, I know it was God because two red trucks with, with, with people wearing white hats drove past my house. And I said, Lord, if that's you, make two red trucks and three blue cars drive past my house. And that's exactly what happened. And the devil was getting the people to turn down your road. We don't want to require of God something that he has already identified is not his way of dealing with us. Why? Because he wants to deal with us in a way that the enemy can't interrupt it. When the Holy Spirit deals with us, the devil doesn't even know what we're picking up in our spirit if we don't open our mouth and say it. If we will walk it out and, and like Mary, she held it in her heart, if we'll walk it out, the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit will lead us. He'll inform us. He'll direct us. He'll put us at, way out ahead of the game, and the enemy will be scratching his head wondering, why are they doing that? They have avoided my last three traps because every time I set a trap, they changed direction and moved around it. Well, because the Holy Spirit was leading us away from it. But we've got to learn how, what does it feel like when it seems good? What does it feel like for God to bear witness with my spirit? Let's look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 29. Acts chapter 8 and verse Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. Is that specific? 
So Philip had been led in verse 26 by the direction of an angel. But that's, that, that wasn't the way that God led him here. The Holy Spirit specifically said, now if an angel does direct us, as long as it's in line with the word of God and we've got peace, God can deal with us through angels. Angels are ministering spirits who are sent to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. I'm not disqualifying any of us from the help that the angels will bring to us. Amen? But I'm not requiring that God use an angel to direct me. If he chooses to, praise the Lord. But I'm not requiring it of it. I'm going to allow him to teach me how to be led so that I am skilled in that leading and that witness of the Spirit. And in this, we see that the Holy Spirit will direct us specifically. Think about the um, Ananias who came to bring the, the, the help to uh, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. He was on his way to Damascus when the Lord appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? Isn't it uh, hard to kick against the pricks? And so he was blinded by that experience with the Lord. And he is there. He's, he called on the Lord in that moment. And then God tells Ananias to go over and said, he's in a street called Straight. He's in the Tanner's house, Simon the Tanner's. He gave him the street and the house and told him what exactly he was going to pray over him. That's specific. The Holy Spirit, as we learn to hear from him, he can be specific with us. He can give us specific direction. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10 and verse 19. Verse 19, it says, when Peter thought on this vision, so he's had a vision, right? When he was thinking on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek you, arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So here is another specific direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, and he gave him specific instructions. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. This is how specific that the Lord wants to be with us. Our attention as students is going to benefit us by putting us in a position where we can receive clearly and accurately and know that's the Lord telling me to do that. That is the Lord speaking to me. And when he speaks to me, it will have that uh, already established um, conviction that I know the voice of God. Isn't that what Jesus said? My sheep know my voice and another voice they won't follow. So as we become, see, if somebody, when 
I called here at the office one day, and I called Brother Jim, Pastor Jim, and he had me on speaker, and my husband walked in the room and said a word trying to pretend that it was Jim, but I know his voice too well to be fooled to think that it's somebody else. I'm like, I know who you are, pastor, husband, and so the, I, I'm so, uh, I am so intimate with his voice that I'm not fooled by somebody uh, with uh, somebody else who is saying something, trying to give me a direction, but it's not his voice. That's what the Holy Spirit wants, that we are so, so, and I don't want to use the word familiar because I'm not saying familiar in a, a sense that we it loses the impact. So accustomed, thank you. We become so accustomed to his voice. We become so intimate with his voice that, that just with one, one word, just with one instruction, we're moved. Remember the example I gave of the people who have trained their horses? They go, they, now there is a competition that they can, they'll go in and they will take their horses through the different, uh, the different routines. They will have them run around the track with the left foot moving in the gate first, and then they'll switch it so that the right foot is taking the lead in the gate, and then they'll have the horse do a, 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 a trick where it starts from one side of the arena and runs at full speed, and then it stops on a dime. And then they'll have the horse turn to the left and it will turn, 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 turn until the rider tells it to stop. And then they'll immediately go in the other direction and it will turn without moving its back. It's just turning the front legs. And I'm impressed. But then I'm really impressed when they, they bring out that one who has spent so much time working with their horse and so much uh, of a contact between the horse and the rider that the rider takes the saddle off and takes the bridle off and climbs on the back of that horse with nothing on the horse to direct the horse, nothing to control the horse except the pressure of the legs on that right. And you can't even see it. You can't even see what is causing that horse to respond. But the rider is, is, is on the back of that horse and is just with a very slight pressure of its left knee against the flank of that horse, that, that horse begins to go in that routine. Just with a little touch, on because they're holding on to the, the, the mane of the horse, the hair of the horse, they're holding on. And so just with a little touch right here, you can't even see it. But the, the horse knows it. And that's how the Holy Spirit wants to become so skilled in his relationship with us that other people can't even see. But he just, he just touched. He just prompted. He just, he just gave that, that slight indication to make that move. And we're like, I know what that means. I'm moving that direction. I'm going where he wants me to go. I'm stopping this conversation. I'm, 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 I'm giving into that that person's love, whatever it is, that I'm so easily persuaded, easily prompted, that I'm, I don't want to be hardened of heart. Amen. He said, don't be like the horse and the mule that has to have a bridle in its right. mouth. It. He said, I will guide you with my eye. That's right. 
I will guide you with my eye. There have been times when my children were growing up, they would be sitting over there with the youth group or something, and they would act up, and I would give them the eye. They were supposed to know what I meant. If they didn't get it there, they were going to find out. I, I gave you the eye. Right? God wants to be able just to, with one look, you know, we can be in a situation and, and, and my husband can look at me and I know, okay, he's saying we need to give into that. that just, just, you just know with that look what they're trying to convey. The Holy Spirit wants to have that same relationship that he can guide us so distinctly and so accurately in our life. Hallelujah. Now, I want to go to Luke chapter 4. And because Jesus is our greatest example. Is that true? true? He is our greatest example. And in Luke chapter 4, we see that he was led of the Spirit. Let's begin in verse 1. So he's our example. If Jesus was needed to be led by the Spirit, or if he was led by the Spirit... How much more should we be led of the Spirit? Verse 1 says, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why did he go into the wilderness? Because the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And then we began to see some of the temptation. He was tempted 40 days, but the Lord identifies three specific areas for us. It says, Jesus, it says in verse 3, the devil said to him, so now we're going to find out how the enemy was tempting him, how the enemy was attacking him, we could say. The devil said, same way he attacks you, with thoughts, with words, words that produce thoughts and images in your mind, images of failure or images of not enough or images of, of you're not going to make it, images of whatever words that the enemy brings, it is to tempt you away from or to lead you in the direction he wants you to go. The devil said to him, if you be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So the, the enemy attacked him with words and Jesus answered with words. The devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said. So he had imagery with what he was saying. He showed him something, and then he's having a, 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 a discussion with him about it. The devil said unto him, All this power will I give you in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will, I give it. If you therefore will worship me, all shall be yours. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, 
thou shalt worship the Lord uh, thy God, and him only shall you serve. So the enemy again tempted him with words that produced thoughts, and Jesus answered him with scripture. Every one of these answers that Jesus gives are from Deuteronomy. Jesus whipped the devil with Deuteronomy. And we've got Colossians and Ephesians and, and, second, and first and second Corinthians. We've got all kinds of bullets for our gun. It, he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So we see that he was led of the Spirit into this temptation. Now notice what it says in verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So I, I, I just want to pose this question to you. Do you think the Holy Spirit led him out there and then departed and waited 40 days and came back to pick him up? Or do you think the Holy Spirit was there with him? Now, was Jesus alive unto God in his heart? He was born spiritually alive, right? And then the Holy Spirit came upon him for the greater works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But so he was led by the Spirit, and in every one of these encounters, the Holy Spirit was there with him, leading him. Leading him. When Jesus was resisting the, the enemy, and what makes the enemy flee? When you resist him, right? So Jesus is resisting the enemy with the word of God, but he's led by the Spirit in how to answer. Because the Holy Spirit didn't stop his leading and say, hey, bud, you're on your own for 40 days. I'm out of here. No, the Holy Spirit was there leading. And so he's also a very, a very present help in our time of trouble. When the enemy comes and is bringing accusations or temptations or thoughts or attacks against our lives, we need to rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit how to answer that. Because it's not always what first pops into our Christian ideas. It might be a different way of dealing with it that's more accurate. Hallelujah. We don't want to become so automatic with our response that we, we um, with our faith response, let me say it that way, we don't want to become so automatic with the faith response that we uh, abandon the leading of the Holy Spirit to get accuracy in that faith response. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Because it's, it's possible to say, let me, I'm going to give you an example. And I may, I may have used this example before, but it fits here. So Pastor Nancy had an employee who came to the church office and said, I am, I am 
battling symptoms of the flu. I'm going home. Told the secretary at the office, walked out of the office, and the secretary started saying, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke sickness. I will not be sick. I take authority. I'm not going to be sick. No, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. She's, she's, She's attacking that. We have the faith response, but what's, what's behind that faith response? Fear that I'm going to get sick with whatever he just walked in here with. And guess what happened? She got sick. And when she said, Lord, why did I get sick? This is what the Lord identified to her because you were quoting scripture with the wrong motive. Can we talk about Job? Can we talk about Job for a minute? Job was sacrificing offerings to God. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? But look at Job chapter 1. Why was he sacrificing these offerings to God? Was it love? Lord, I love you so much I'm bringing you these offerings. Was it love that was motivating Job to bring these offerings to the Lord? Job chapter 1, I'm going to read first of all verse 1 through 5. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil or avoided evil. And they, there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of his children, all the number of them all, because for Job said, it might be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So what was his motive for the sacrifice? He was afraid that his sons, he didn't know it. He didn't have any evidence of it. Just a fear that maybe, false evidence appearing real, just maybe, maybe, maybe they've cursed God and they've sinned. And so I'm going to do this spiritual activity, but the motivation of it is fear. It wasn't the Holy Spirit leading him. And, of course, we're talking about Job who didn't have the, the same spiritual life in him that you and I have. But it wasn't, it wasn't any uh, leading of a, a motive of the love of God, a motive of honor for God. It was fear motivating him. And he was doing something spiritual. He was, he was trying to take a spiritual activity that came as a result of wrong thoughts. How did the enemy get to him and get in a place where God had to, have, had to admit to the enemy what he has is in your hands? How did it get in his hands? God didn't put it in his hands. Let's look over at chapter 3, verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet 
trouble came. Well, no wonder trouble came. You were not in safety, rest, or quiet. <laughs> Do you see what his thoughts, his thoughts led to activity. But they weren't God's thoughts. They weren't thoughts inspired by the love of God. They weren't thoughts inspired by a foundation of a relationship with God. They were thoughts of fear. Where do you think they came from? Do you think God put those thoughts in it? No, the adversary. Just the same way the adversary looked at Jesus and said, if you be. And is trying to introduce thoughts with words that bring those thoughts. Thoughts are not just thoughts. Every thought is spiritual. So we've got to choose. What is it, Romans chapter 8? Let's, let's close here in Romans chapter 8 again because we need to, we've got to, we've got to guard to avoid the wrong thoughts getting us to act spiritually from, from the wrong motive. Just like that woman is quoting scriptures, but she's quoting healing scriptures against fear. She should have been taking authority over the fear. Now, it, it, what would have happened if she would have just stopped and said, Holy Spirit, what is that? I'm trying to quote a scripture, right? I'm quoting scripture. By his stripes, I'm healed. Well, it's fear. The Holy Spirit was able to show her the next day, right? What if we acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways and say, Holy Spirit, especially, listen, especially if you're quoting scriptures and you feel like they're bouncing back and slapping you in the face. Okay, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, I, I'm doing something spiritual, but it just keeps bouncing back at me here. So help me identify what is it I need to say? How is it I need? You remember me telling you I was, I was praying from my position as a mom, trying to deal with my teenage child who was making all kinds of crazy decisions and I'm, I'm from my position as a mother trying to say, Lord, I exercise authority in Jesus' name. I'm praying. I'm believing. I'm pleading the blood. But I'm doing it from my place as a mom, with my emotions as a mom. And the Lord said, you can get a lot more done from your place in Christ. Because that's where all the, the weapons are in my place in Christ. And when I began to take my position in Christ, it took me a little while to build my faith in my position in Christ. But do you see how the Holy Spirit showed me that? Y'all, we have had our lives so transformed by the teaching of Kenneth Hagin. But do you realize he had nobody teaching him about faith? He asked his grandma, is there anybody who would come and pray the prayer of faith with me like the book of James says, because I believe God wants to raise me up. And she invited all of the preachers in town and none of them came. The one who did come eventually came and said, it won't be long, and walked outside and made funeral plans with the, with the family. He didn't have, but you know what? The Holy Spirit led him, led him to Matthew 6 and told him to take no thought for his life and deal with that worry. 
led him over to Mark chapter 11. And he's, he's, he's dealing with this in Mark chapter 11. He had to deal with the whole righteousness thing. When you begin to see the Holy Spirit will lead us into those specific areas in our life. So here in Romans chapter 8, let's look at verse 6 and 7. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or, or an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So you're not in the flesh, so don't let your mind be there. Don't, don't leave your mind there. Bring it on over into the spiritual flow with you. You and I, we're born again. We're walking in the light of God's word. We've got to bring our mind into that place where it is governed by the, the, the word. That's the renewing of the mind. And then when we receive information, revelation knowledge in our spirits, we can bring it up and renew the mind with it. Hallelujah. But notice there's... Carnal mind, there's a spiritual mind. If I bring my mind up to this place where I am spiritually minded, I am, I am thinking in line with God said, forsake wrong thoughts and take my thoughts. Take my thoughts. For, what do you do with wrong thoughts? You forsake them. I, I, I forsake that. And I take what's, why? Because there's life and peace. When I live in the light of God's word, in my thoughts, the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. And one important aspect of his leading and his guiding is in our thought life. If we'll start inquiring of him and, and give him permission to check us, if we began to have our thoughts over in the wrong area. If we're thinking critically, invite the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't want to think that way. I invite you to call me on the carpet if I think like that. Hallelujah. Renewing the mind is a spiritual activity, and the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of it. So for him to lead us the way he needs to be able to lead us with those specifics, we are going to need to have his help in this area as well so that our mind is in line with the things that he would say. Hallelujah. Praise God. As a man thinketh, so is he. Praise the Lord. That's our hour of power. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Hallelujah.